Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. You're in Europe right now. I am in Europe. Yeah. I'm You're all in Europe. up. I'm We're deep recording. in it. We're recording this intro. Yeah. Via Skype. No, we did this before you left. I'm all up in Europe's butt right now. Um, hopefully... You're having fun. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Let's see. How do you think right now, before you've you've left, by the time this comes out Tuesday, how do you think you'll be feeling about your European experience? I think I've been there just long enough to where today, this is the first day I may have fun or so be able to relax. It would be two days in? Yeah. Okay. Sounds about right. The third day. I get there. I've been there. I arrived Sunday. Monday, I was there a day. And then by Tuesday, I stop worrying about my pets right. as much, and I start to be able to look around and Even say... Even with the great Silver Lake fire yeah. that started on Monday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm able to look around and go, that is a lovely castle, wherever I am. Yeah. I don't know where Somewhere I am on Scotland. Wednesday. Okay. Bergen. Um, all yeah. right. Well, good, because Europe, I imagine, would be fucking fun to travel through for like nine days. Today's episode... Uh, Fun, interesting, personal, <laughs> poignant, revealing, poignant, poignant, sad, happy. Yeah. Uh, we talk about people that have kind of either helped shape or influence us as we've uh, been on this planet, I guess. Yeah. Um, from when we were kids uh, up until like kind of early adulthood, people who've kind of like guided us in certain ways or at least like shown us, hey, you can do something in a different way or like yeah. helped encourage us even you had one of those pushed us towards yeah. what we ended up becoming without yeah. us knowing it exactly um, so we each picked three people and we kind of go back and forth and we kind of talk about what who they are and what they did how relevant it was to us and how it's kind of helped guide us uh, into like the adults we've we've become right um so it was fun to do it was pretty interesting to actually really kind of sit down and think of these people because you don't like really think of them probably too much but when you do look back and you go oh yeah i got into this because of so and so yeah and um and it's cool to have people like that in your life you know they matter that kind of like just see something in you or kind of just are there with a different outlook on life and they go hey have you ever thought about doing it that way or like you should pursue this man i kind of see this in you yeah so uh we get into that with three people each it was fun it was interesting you will learn a little bit about us uh we're kind of getting away from doing you know just hanging out with guests which are fun we love our friends but these are like kind of more about who we are yeah which is cool so we hope you like it let us know what you think we had fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Kevin will make it back from Europe. At some I'm point. in Europe. He's in Europe. Uh, I'm in L.A. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday and you live in L.A., the following day, October 15th, come to Meltdown Comics. I'm doing the Meltdown Show, the best show in Los Angeles. God damn it. It's so good. The lineups are always great. Um, and then November 5th, one night only, San Francisco, California. I'm headlining a place called Doc's Lab. It's where the old Purple Onion was. So if you've ever oh, been cool. in there, the venue's super cool. Uh, they just turned it into a club. Uh, go to their website. There are is ticket info, uh, or go to my website. It's also on there, nickyusef.com. <coughs> it's one night only. Tickets are cheap. Um, 
there'll be a one or two guys opening for me, like local SF guys. Not sure who they are, but um, I'm sure they'll be great. That's a good comedy scene up there. Get Brendan Lynch. He's good. Uh, I think the club already booked the guys. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's in, in the heart of SF. I'll be there one night. So come to that. It would be really cool to see you out there. And then November 6th through 8th, Zanies in Nashville, Tennessee. Looking forward to that one, too, with Bobby Lee. And uh, that's it for now. Enjoy this episode. See you next time. We'll be here tomorrow, but your dreams may not. How can I try to explain when I do? Yet another episode where we delve in to our personal feelings, hardscapes on our our psyche, hardscapes. Uh, What's a hardscape? I don't know, but I like how it sounds, and I want to. That sounds like like a really shitty painting you'd see in a hotel. God. What's this called? Oh, uh, you're right. This is called the hardscape. From far away, it looks like a landscape, and then you get up close, it's just abstract, and you're like, oh, I hate yeah. this. It's all lavenders and pinks, and like, there's no, it's just, it's like the colors should be uplifting, but it's the most depressing thing you've ever seen. I, I wish I could meet <laughs> one of those people that, that, that makes money having their art in hotels, because there's money, you can get money for it. Do you think at this point it's a person, or like, it's just a... A computer program that spits out fucking colors. Some of the, <laughs> some of I know people that have done it. They're they're like they're like oh yeah. A lot of artists will have like a fake name, and they just kind of turn out those garbagey abstract paintings. Ah uh, okay. And then they those are the things you sell to hotels because hotels need so many of them. They don't want to spend a lot of money per painting. Uh-huh. But if you if you look at the total, like hey, we need two hundred. It's actually a little bit of money. You know. You know what I've never been mad at is hotel. Instead of like artwork paintings, uh-huh. uh, just photography of things. Yeah. If it's like, here's a forest, here's a skyline. I'm but like, even, yeah, fine, great. Even that's not cheap. Like that, you have to get places and print out and there's framing. No, what I'm saying is like, you never look at it and go like, oh, this is such terrible art. I was in a hotel in Portland that the theme of the hotel was like old Hollywood. So they had old, lots of old pictures of old movies, which I thought was That's cool. pretty cool. That was like a really good solution. Yeah. Each floor had a theme. Like, I've always liked, uh, when I go to Ikea, not I don't like going to Ikea, but <laughs> what I like that, about... That's a rare sentence. I know. Hey, I love this. Um, when you go through, like, the the artwork and all that stuff, and the photographs are usually things where you're like, I wouldn't mind having that up somewhere the, if I just needed shit to put up. The art section at Ikea makes me want to kill everyone. Even just the, f- like, photography? Oh, I hate it. I hate it all. The frames, I like the frames. They have good yeah. frames there. Although the sizes are a little weird. But even like there's one of just like a forest in nope. the morning. Uh, I don't know. And then there's one of... Uh, That's all just... Uh, New York in the 1940s or something? Yeah, I just... Th- those are the kind of things you see at every every like college. That's like your first apartment. I don't know. I just don't like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The reason I don't like that stuff is not because it's bad. It's because it's so mass-produced... Well, yeah, it's fucking IKEA. You can, but my point is, you can go if to you're going to put shit up, you can go to a swap meet and find the same level of things, and it's less generic. Right. That's why I don't like it. But I'm also a fucking snob. Yeah. So that's totally true. Yeah. I'm a total art snob. Sorry. Well, no one's making you apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, change this about yourself. No, I literally am a snob about art. 
Um, all right, how are we going to get into this episode? I mean, it's pretty serious, sort of. It can't. I guess it can. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It could be. These are the people that have changed our lives. We changed. I feel like is a strong word. I don't. Influenced, I'd say. Mine changed. Like dramatically altered the course of your life. Yes. See, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like I know for a fact there are most of my life would be different had I not listened to these people. Right. Yeah. All right. So you're gonna go. We're gonna go like I guess one for one. Okay. Um. You go first. Okay. Now you're doing these in in order chronological. Oh, uh, not not most important. No, no, no. I'm dramatic. going chronological. Okay. Okay. The first people. This is two people because they worked at the same place. They had basically the same function. Mm-hmm. I may have mentioned this before. I when I was fourteen. Wait, number one is two people. Well, they they yeah. Okay. Uh, when I was 14, I took an art class called Kids Art in Pasadena. Yeah. My friend Travis went to it, so I went to it. He told me about it. And at, I was, as you know, an average drawer. I, that's all I did. I was obsessed with it. I didn't understand what it was to make a living as an artist. I just drew all the time, and I thought it was cool. And I was basically good at it. So I started taking this art class, and it was taught by two people, Owen Smith, not the comic, <laughs> and Andrea Bolton, both... Uh, graduates of Art Center and both skilled, talented illustrators and good teachers. And they noticed that I was pretty, like, super into this, into drawing and making stuff, and that I was obviously good at it. And they asked me once, they're like, what do you draw, what do you do, make, like, art with at home? And I was like, oh, I don't. And they're like, well, why not? And I was like, I don't really have anything to make stuff with. Now, I wasn't poor. My, my parents weren't, like, depriving me. It wasn't, they just, I just didn't have anything. Right. And they were like, oh. And I was like, yeah. So I basically just, I, you know, I draw in my, like, school notebooks or whatever. And then I draw when I come to this class once a week. And they're like, oh, okay. And then the next week, Andrea and Owen bought me a fancy-ass leather sketchbook and, like, an art, like, a dope art pencil and, like, one of those gummy erasers. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you're going to be an artist. Start drawing in this all, like, draw all the time. Yeah, they ba- they weren't like, hey, in case you want to be an artist, they were basically like, you're one of us. Yeah, here your here here are your weapons. <laughs> Here's what you need. To and get it was started. like, you know, it was one of those leather sketchbooks that you see now at like Barnes and Noble for ten bucks. But to me, it was f- the nicest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, and it was like a, the you know I I didn't know what art pencils were like. This was like a, just a normal pencil, but it was like didn't have an eraser and had like a cool name and it was blue and fa- like. And to me, it you was just, just pencils. All were just like, who the yeah, fuck would make a special one? Yeah, pencils to me, they were pencils. all yellow, and they had an eraser at the yeah. end. This was like a special art pencil, and they were like, "Hey, you're gonna be an artist, so just start drawing all the time. Like, don't you don't have to care about anything else anymore? Just draw all That's, the time." They literally said, "Basically, you, you don't have like, to care about anything else." I was like, "I draw a lot." They were like, "Draw all the time. Do nothing but draw all the time. You're gonna you're gonna be an artist." Yeah. And they gave me this fucking book, and it that. I probably there good chances where I was gonna become an artist anyways. Did you already know that that you no. wanted to be one? I knew that I loved drawing. I didn't know that you could be one as a living. Uh, the only sense of well, how, then you can't say there's a good chance I was gonna be one. Well, anyway. eventually, someone in my high school would have been like, "Hey, you know, have you ever heard of illustration as a job?" Or my junior college or something would have oh, pointed like something out. But I only the only job I knew of you could get drawing was a comic book artist. That's all I really understood. I, I mean, you, I would look at art on album covers. I didn't know someone got paid to do it. 
Uh-huh. In my head, it was like, that's a friend of the band. Like, Iron Maiden knew some guy. <laughs> like, I didn't understand what any of that stuff was, yeah. really. I knew, like, I heard of Norman Rockwell, and I knew what their art, lo- I knew what art looked like, but I didn't understand that there was, like, commercial art, and you could do it as a job. I also didn't know what art schools were. And they, I was like, well, but should there I? was a separate one. Yeah, I thought you to. just went to UCLA, which I, I literally thought you just went to UCLA and, and majored in art or went to a college. Yeah. And I was like, well, I literally was like, well, what's an art school? And they told me, and I was like, well, what's a good one? They were like, Art Center's a really good one. And I was just like, they told you, those yeah, two. they were like, well, we went to Art Center. I go, is that one good? They were like, yeah, it's like the number three one in the nation. And I was like, well, good, I'll go there. And yeah. P- and what were number two and one? Number two at the time was Chicago Institute of Art. Yeah. And R- Rhode Island School of Design. RISD. Was, RISD was that number one. one. It, yeah. Steel it still is. Number R- one. RISD's always the best. Did you try to get in there ever? No. You didn't even want him. No, I because I went to Art Center at night b- while I was in high school, and I just I just thought that place was the fucking coolest. Yeah. And like by that time, when I was going in junior college, that's when I like found out who the Clayton brothers were. Uh-huh. And a lot of artists that I liked had either gone to Art Center or taught there. So that just reinforced. I was just like, and it was right there. And I couldn't have, I couldn't have afforded to go to art school in New York mm-hmm. and live there. It would have been too expensive. Wait, is is it in New York? What Rhode Island School of it's whatever? In Rhode Island. But uh, oh. I was looking at Rhode. I the art schools I thought of applying to were Rhode Island School of Design, uh, Chicago, and School of Vis- SVA School of Visual Arts. In is New that York. the one in New York? Yeah, and okay. Pratt. All of which I, w- I probably would have got into all of them except Pratt. Yeah. Or, yeah. Why not Pratt? Pratt, I think, or I may be getting this wrong, but Pratt, I believe, lets in like three people a year. It's something insane. What? Or, I think that's Pratt. It's one of them. No, no, no. Cooper Union. I would have gotten into Pratt. Cooper Union lets in like 20 people a year because it's free. What? If you get in, it's free. No way. So the competition to get in is insane. I knew a guy. A guy How the I, fuck do they pull that off? It's just one. It has an endowment, like a mass. It's a very small school, but it has a massive trust. A kid I went to school with, Aaron Weisenfeld, Crazy. had transferred from Cooper Union. He had gotten, <laughs> You can just go for free. Yeah. Well, Stanford's master's program is like that. Damn. It just has such a massive endowment mm. that if you apply to the master's program and get accepted, it's basically paid for. That's awesome. So, dude, education should all be like that. Yeah. Honestly, that's amazing. And so, I mean, I would have—I was good enough to where I would have gotten into most of those schools. Right, so, what were like things that they said to you? Like, what were things that, like, besides saying like you're going to be an artist? Okay, first of all, they tolerated me being a total shithead a lot of the time. Like, how do I you was mean? like an eye-rolling, sarcastic dick. Still are. Yes. Imagine yeah. this personality in a 14-year-old's body, and wow. how annoying that would be to Way someone worse. who is 26 or 27 and a legitimate artist. Where I'm just like. Yeah, I don't care about whatever, this. dude. Yeah, I You're was old anyway. <laughs> I was super annoying. Probably, <laughs> I don't even remember being annoying, but I guarantee I was. Oh yeah, and I was probably thought I was a little too cool. I remember saying, I remember saying to Owen at one point, "I'm just gonna draw comic books. They're all this painting is fucking stupid. Mm. Like just a real dummy." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh boy, this yeah, kid. just like just let him. This, fucking this is guy. the dumbest." And then like next yeah. was like. Graffiti is the only form of art I care about. Just like I was a shithead. Yeah. Thought, I, you know, it's was, and they they kind of saw what it was, what, what I was doing, that I was just going to say a lot of these things while I learned things. Uh-huh. And we're just like, uh-huh, okay. So if I came to class and was annoying and me and Travis just decided to practice th- juggling outside because you're bored, they wouldn't give us a hard time. 
They were just like, okay, just keep drawing. Just keep drawing all the time. Wouldn't my, they didn't make me finish anything. They realized that if I didn't like how it was coming out, I just didn't want to finish. I was like, I fucked this up. I'm not going to finish it. I would, yeah. They would allow me to just start a new thing all the time because they realized all I was doing was learning. I wasn't making art. I, wasn't, I was just learning art, things I like, things I w- maybe like, styles and stuff. Yeah. So, and they were, they were very tolerant of what a snide little garbage pile I was. Yeah. And sought me for... And then Owen moved to New York and his identical brother Aaron became a teacher there too. And then Aaron is another... I mean, all these people are kind of the same. At the same time, I had started going to Aaron for private lessons and he taught me how to like paint with oil paint. Uh-huh. But all of them basically... And same thing. When I was going to Aaron, I had all these ideas about what I was cool and what I was going to do and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And all of them, three of them, had the exact... They just tolerated my bullshit because they could tell I was serious about it and just like encouraged me in a way that was very effective without right. being like heavy-handed. They were just like, uh-huh, okay. Oh, this month Kevin thinks this. <laughs> right. Like, oh, and it, and, but, but that the, when they bought the sketchbook thing was, was huge. I still have it. You still have the sketchbook? Uh-huh. I want to see it. Right. I mean, not necessarily the inside if you don't want to show me the comment, no, but they, I just want to see the, how, how a book like that old has aged and like, because you've held on to it so long. It's dude. It it was just it was just one of those things. Like it, it seems like a small thing, but to me, I mean, it, it was such a big. thing No, no, at the it time. makes sense. I dude, that makes sense because that you like held on they to were it. real illustrators. Like in Matt, like Owen was Owen was in like Rolling Stone at the time, and Andrea was like in magazines. Like I remember they they all of them, Aaron Owen and Andrea were all in the Playboy Jazz Festival catalog, and they showed it to me, and I was just like, this is insane. Where are they all now? Uh, Owen lives in New York, still a very successful illustrator. Uh-huh. Aaron. Uh, is a successful painter and he's also like the co-head chair of the illustration department at Art Center. Uh-huh. I don't know where Andrea is. I think she lives in San Francisco and uh, maybe illustrates children books, children's books. Really? Yeah. They were wow. legit, dude. They were the real shit. And, like that's the thing. I got taught at a young age by professional illustrators and it was mind-blowing how good they were. Yeah. Because, you know, and I would, th- I would bring in stuff. I'd be like, teach me how to draw this and this. I'd bring in like the Guns N' Roses cover. And I'd be like, I want to do this. They'd be like, all right. Like, and they knew how to teach me how to do stuff. Yeah. It was just, it, I, I, I thank God that, uh, that I was able to have access to them. I was so lucky that they were there in that area, and I happened to uh, find them because of my friend Travis. Right. And it was like a cheap class that my parents could afford. I went like once a week. Travis had a car. Like all these things that were like necessary for it to work. But okay. like giving me that... It really giving me that book was a whole thing because then all of a sudden I was a guy with a sketchbook. I be, that became like my identity. I care. I was. It was with me all the time at school, and I was just drawing. How, how big was this book? How many it's pages? Like, it was probably a hundred and something pages. I was soup. The thing that what happens when you're young, you get fancy art supplies, and especially sketchbooks. Every artist knows this. You're real precious about the drawings in it because everyone wants to look at it. Like, right. hey, let me look at it. So you want to make sure all the drawings are good. So routinely, you don't even fill it. Because you don't actually use it as a sketchbook. Yeah. You just draw the cool shit in there. I once got a nice like notebook to yeah. write in. Um, and then I was like all of a sudden hesitant on just jotting down ideas. Yeah. I'm like, no, I got to write down the, like, the, the work in progress bit in another notebook and then yeah. transfer the finished one. And then I'm like, what does it matter? It's just yeah. a nice notebook. Yeah. I'm just, no one's going to read it. Every artist thinks they're going to get a coffee table book one day. So we're right. like, well, they're going to want these sketchbooks. They better look dope. Right, right. Which is dumb. But yeah, you don't really use it as a sketchbook. You always like kind of don't. 
But it is weird though, like how some notebooks and sketchbooks, or whatever, are so nicely put together. Like they're leather bound, and you almost do feel like, "Why well, do I want to just burn through this in like a month?" No, I got one as a gift. Unless money is no object, you can always buy the nicest sketchbooks. But. No, uh, I got one as a gift from a producer I worked for, and I've I still don't like. I still like the drawings in it are really good, uh-huh. and like it's because it's one of the nicest things. He, it's this British company called what? Smithson. Uh-huh. They make the nicest paper and the nice... Like, these things are so fucking pricey. Yeah. But he was, you know, extremely wealthy. And he like, what are we talking about for a notebook? How much How much is it? I've bought one myself. It was $210. For how, how many pages are in the book? 50. And then is it leather bound? The one I bought was 200 bucks. It wasn't leather bound. Whoa. The leather bound one, he had these specially made. They made him them for him. Wow. It was leather bound. It had blue paper with gold gilt uh, uh, trim around the edges. I don't know how much he paid for them. That's so cool. But he I've had always them, he had, had a, made and he gave me one. And I was like, holy fuck! I've always had a weird fascination with like notebooks and paper, oh, even though I don't draw. Like yeah. I can't draw, but I've always loved the idea of a nice oh. piece of blank white paper, like good quality paper. But then, like, I would get my hands on, like, printer paper and things like that when I was younger. And then I just liked looking at it. And then I was like, I don't even know. I can't draw anything on it. Oh, dude, you know where the best place is to go? Kelly Paper. What's that? It's a paper store. It's it's for, like... Oh, wait. I've seen that sign somewhere before. There's a bunch of them. They're everywhere. There was one on uh, Vine. There's one on Pasadena. Yeah. They sell paper. It's mostly for offices and stuff, but they sell all kinds. And they sell it in bulk. And it's good paper, and you can just buy like a thousand sheets of something. It's but Smythen though, it's S M Y T H S O N. They they make the nicest paper products. It's they are decadent. I took an art class in eighth grade at mm. Rosemont, and I wasn't terrible. Who was your teacher? What was her name? Mrs. Green. She no. was like an old. My she, teacher was old and had left. She's c- real crazy. Her personality was like Wah. she always wore like. Weird, long, flowing, like... Classic um, art teacher. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know what they were. They weren't, like, robes or, like... or, smart, or a, sh- a smock. Yeah, but yeah, but they were, like, hippie-ish looking, and she had, like, mm-hmm. curly, grayish hair that was mm-hmm. kind of, like, a little yeah, long, yeah, and yeah. she was just always wa- said wild things. We always asked what her first name was, and she wouldn't tell us. <laughs> and then one day she realized she could just make up a different name every time. So... I, the only one I remember is Caligula. <laughs> We're like, come on, Miss Green, tell us what your first name is. She's like, it's Caligula. And no one in the class knew what that meant. That's funny. But like a few people believed it. And then we were like, I don't know if that's true because she would smirk every time she said it because no one questioned her on it. And she just thought Caligula that was funny. Green. Yeah. That's a funny name. Yeah. She was really encouraging though. She was, she was cool. Because yeah, Aunt Owen, Aaron, Owen slash Aaron Smith and Andrea Bolton. Okay. That's number one. Yep. Um, my number one or my first one, whatever, um, is this guy named Mike. And I don't know if I should say his last name. I guess it doesn't matter. Um, he owned, he opened and owned and ran a coffee shop on in La Crescenta mm-hmm. for like a few years in the mid to late 90s. Where? It was on Foothill. That blue one? It was not blue. Okay. It was orange. What was it called? The New Amsterdam. Nope. Okay. Um, it was it was near where I grew up. Like I mean, like the house I could like walk there. Although kind of everything was, but um, but anyway, like I wasn't like 
this is not going to be some weird coffee story, by the way, just so you know. Um, <laughs> when I was when I, when I was a teenager, it was just there was no really good whatever. We didn't even have a fucking Starbucks in La Crescenta until no, you know the nothing. late nineties or whatever it was. But um, but yeah. So anyway, he opened this place, and like my friends and I would, you know, we just roam around town, and like I didn't really have many real friends, you know, mm-hmm. like good friends and stuff. I would just kind of float from circle to circle, and you know. But anyway, my friends at the time were these like these four brothers, and we we all hung out, and then we had like other common friends we'd hang out. But I lived a few blocks up from this place; they lived a couple blocks down. So we'd always like meet up there, and then we kind of hang out at at the coffee shop. And this guy that ran it was like he was in his like mid thirties or something like that. It was hard to tell because he had like he was already bald, um, but he had like a young vibe to him. He didn't have like gray hair or anything. But he was a super mellow, laid-back dude, mm-hmm. and he would always be very welcoming to all like the teenagers that hung out there. He's like, "Look, as long as you guys aren't like dirty, you know, you don't like you don't abuse the place, and like you buy something, I'm totally cool with you guys hanging out. It's like it's fun." So we all kind of hang out there, and then we kind of started getting to know him a little better. He'd have like mu- musicians come in here and there and just kind of play, and. uh and it was my first experience with like a like a liberal kind of like artist dish uh-huh. vibe for a place, you know? Because where we grew up, there's none of that there. None. There is zero. It's, zero. It's a quiet suburb that you could find anywhere in middle America. It's like, a Christian town. Right, yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. It's a, it's a Christian, like predominantly white conservative yeah like most people if they were voting are voting republican i would say you actually probably get a lot of democrats there because of the amount of teachers and people that have union jobs but across the board they're all still i would say protestants uh well i mean morally then they would be conservative yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um there were a lot of like you know you never dealt with any there were no like out gay people out of the closet there were like two black people there's a lot of like middle east like armenian and asian korean Korean, and stuff some mexican so it wasn't like the whitest place but point being it wasn't there weren't like a lot of uh options and when i tell people i grew up in la they think i grew up in the middle of hollywood and i've had all the experiences of you know um that anyone would have living in la it's a melting pot you've seen it all that kind of thing but it's like no it's a quiet suburb this place though was like was different because it he, the guy that owned it and ran it was super kind of open to anything. You know, he wasn't like judgmental and the way he looked at life was very different than what I had experienced before. Like from my family, they are like fairly conservative. They come from like a Middle Eastern third worldish country and they are like blue collar, middle class you work hard, you shut up, you do, you know, what you do and and that's it, right. you know. So, I didn't have any from there. In school, you didn't have any of that. There were no like liberal, you know, yeah. um teachers that kind of allowed you to think f- kind of more freely. Right. So, I'd hang out there and like, we all kind of started talking to him. We got to know him and I found him very interesting and he had a girlfriend who was like a teacher or something like that like an art teacher or whatever, and he had like a 10 or 11-year-old son who like hang out there and stuff when he wasn't like doing homework. Uh, the mo- one of the most well-behaved kids, like smart beyond his years, and was just like this cool kid, you know? 
And you could see he got it from his dad. So I kind of like we, we befriended each other like a few of us did. We, we all found him so cool and interesting. Like he played the guitar and he like smoked pot but never, you know, got us to do it. He wasn't like, hey, kids, get high with me. He wasn't like that guy, you know. Um, Those guys are the coolest though. He was always like, we always would ask him like, hey, if your kid wanted to smoke pot, would you let him do it? Because he was so liberal and like open-minded yeah. about stuff. And he was like, you know what? He's like, that's the thing I've always thought about like – if he was, when he turned eighteen, if he wanted to, if he wanted to smoke pot, I would, I would allow him to do it. I mean, would you do it with him? He's like, I'm not sure, but, and we were just like fascinated at the idea that this guy, like, thought that way, right. you know. And I told him like I wanted to do stand up. Oh wow! Yeah, I was like, hey, dude, I'm like, I want to be a comedian because he he'd always ask us like, so what do you guys want to do with your lives, you know? Because what he used to do before he opened this place was he was uh like a contractor he built stairs for a living and he made incredibly good money yeah right he did really really well and then one day if you're good at stairs i feel like you get paid well oh yeah 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 they're so important like he was really good at what he did he was like a he was a general contractor specialized in that and like this kind of always worked for people like that and he made incredibly good money had a nice place a nice car and all stuff and then one day he was like, you know what? I'm not happy. Huh. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something like this. I want to open my own coffee shop. I want to have my own hours. And, and he had this like hot, cool girlfriend. Yeah. And he had a kid who was super cool. And then he just decided one day, like, I don't have to do what you're told you have to do. Right. You know? I don't need to go to school. I don't need to like finish college and then get a nine to five job that pays well, you know, and get in debt for the rest of my life and have a family and not really be happy. Like I want to do what I want to do, which was this. So we opened the coffee shop and then upstairs there was like basically like a one bedroom like apartment and then they lived there. Whoa. Yeah. And it was like a fully furnished, you know, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which I've always found cool people that do that. They have like their business. Uh, Yeah, that is, that's that like, there's a lot of that in like New York and, yeah. like the, and like the Bronx. He was in a lot of ways like this like adult kind of like like a reform hippie. You know, yeah. he didn't like dress like one or look like one and wasn't like a burnout. Like he had a business, he had a family, but he was just one of those like laid back like you got and we were teenagers, never once did this dude judge anything we said wow like a parent would you know where you say something you go you guys are just young you don't yeah. know the words you are young and you don't yeah. know never came out of this dude's mouth that's amazing and other our other like our friends parents were all like that our own parents were all because you know they're looking out for us and that kind of stuff but yeah there's still like more parents than anything this dude you could like talk to about like hey i, I want to be a comedian you're an adult do you know anyone like that like what what can i expect doing something like that and he yeah. was he was very much like, he, I, he heard me say that, and he was like, dude, that's fascinating. He's like, and I told him, I was like, I'm going to do it soon. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do it, you know. And he's like, he's like, and he started laughing. He's like, I can, he's like, I can only imagine how that would look. He's like, I've only ever known you, like, hanging out here with your friends at this coffee shop. He's like, but, he's like, when you do that, man, he's like, you got to tell me. I'd love to come watch. And oh, wow. Like, yeah, he's like, you're... And he was very supportive. He's like, you're like, you're a smart, interesting, funny kid. You know, if you're that now and you work hard, he's like, you're going to be like successful at this. Has he ever, have you ever, has he ever seen you? That's the sad part oh. is that he, um, he ended up moving oh. to like out somewhere out like Palmdale, Valencia from what I remember. Yeah. 
because I think his wife or girlfriend or whatever got a different job and like I th- it was something that had to do with that and like the rent on that building went up and the yeah. coffee shop didn't do that great you know yeah and and then they moved you know they're like we're gonna yeah. we're gonna move here it's like we found a good school for our kid and all that stuff and and I remember thinking like oh I'm gonna miss this guy man he's really cool yeah and uh, but yeah he just he he kind of showed me a different way to look at things and look at like a future that you want to have. Cause yeah. in my head I was like, I want to be a comedian. I also understand the importance of like school and, and an education and all that. But I was just kind of torn with it. Like I, I had always had a rough time in school. I didn't want to be there. I had a real problem with authority, but like to also meet an adult that was like, Hey, this dude's like, he's an adult, but like for some reason I don't automatically hate this guy. Yeah. It was kind of like, Oh, adults can be like can be cool. They're not all like authority figures, and yeah. they're not all, they're not all the enemy. You know. I think you got it. Fi- I think you have to in some way find this guy and send him your album. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That'd be fucking epic, dude. Yeah, I know. But yeah, he was. He didn't like make. Uh, he wasn't like. That's why I said change is a really like you know, because it wasn't really much to you change never know, in dude, the life of a. If he would have been like, if he would have like been like man you don't know you you can't it's hard i think it's hard for you to quantify how you would have reacted if when you said mm-hmm. i want to be a comedian if he would have shit on you well sure yeah you don't know the long term i may, mean it wasn't like this guy's words have, were literally yeah. de, de, you know deciding that my future but i just when i look back i remember going like the times i i had there hanging out with all of our friends and like we were all just like it was just a place we could all kind of go and hang out and not feel like we were being watched in any way by like right. if we were hanging out at like whatever the equivalent of a Starbucks would have been back then and like some employee come over, hey, you keep it down, you kids, you know, that yeah. kind of shit. It was just like an open free space where yeah. we could, I remember a couple of kids like, oh, I have a guitar. I want to bring it down. And like one of them would kind of be learning and just yeah. hanging out and playing and like, um, I don't know, a bunch of different kids from, you know, different parts of the neighborhood would kind of come through there and like everyone found it cool and there were never problems yeah like when you when a bunch of kids are hanging out somewhere usually whoever is running the place if it's if you're at school or it's like a some business they're always like very careful about what the kids are going to do and they always shut up don't be too loud are you stealing something yeah this was a place where he was just like you know everything's fine and no one ever acted out of order there were never problems everyone was just happy to be there um but yeah, he was just like a fucking super cool, nice guy who just kind of showed me that you could like think differently. You didn't have to like you didn't have to grow up to be what your surroundings were necessarily, yeah, which not is like every adult was acting like one of the weird football coach slash teachers at CV. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't want to like just get a nine to five job and yeah. stay living here like in a middle class environment. You can do other things. Yeah, not everyone was telling you to pick up your skateboard. Like, yeah. That's what, like, my experience in Locker Center was just everyone was like, mm-hmm. pick up your skateboard, you know, and was just kind of like... Or don't waste your, don't even waste your time skateboarding. Yeah. Go I'll do your do. homework and, yeah, you know. I remember the, our elementary school principal told, we used to leave our skateboards at our friends. Ryan Schaefer's mom used to let us leave our skateboards at her house. Yeah, and and she also worked at the school, and the principal made her stop doing that because she just didn't like skateboarding. Yeah, we were just like you're fucking asshole. What was her name? I don't remember. She sucked. Um. Uh, so yeah. yeah, that would be 
that would be like that would be one I always like think back. I think back on. Okay, so my next one. So I'm this is I'm like I'm twenty. I'm li- I'm twenty years old. Okay. Now I'm twenty years old. I'm in my first semester at art school. Right. I go to an art opening for the Clayton Brothers where they're filming a Miller Genuine Draft commercial. They have you sign your name. They film everyone like you're an extra. You just I don't even know where the cameras are. I'm just walking around the art gallery. I find out. I get a thing. I get a call that says they used you in the commercial. You have, I have to I fill out a thing and send it to him. I run into Rob, one of the Clayton Brothers at school. He goes, send that in, dude. You'll make money. I send it in. I get four grand, which is like a million. Yeah. I'm 20. At 20 years old. Sure, yeah. yeah. Then my friend Will Wheaton is going to a commercial audition. He takes me with him because we're going to go play golf afterwards at Los Feliz. Uh, the commercial uh, casting agent asked me if I want to audition. I go, yeah, I guess. Will and I go in together. We both get the job. Pam Sparks, your commercial agent, also yeah. mine, <laughs> meets with me. She has not changed my life so far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, explains to me how this is going to work. This is how you're going to get paid, et cetera, et cetera. She goes, do you want to be an actor? I go, I don't know. I'm in art school. Now, keep, you have to keep in mind... Art Center, going to Art Center is the only goal I've ever had in my entire life. Right. I've only been there a semester. It's extremely hard. It's all I care about in the whole world. So she's like, why don't you let me, why don't you start doing commercials? And I go, I don't know. I don't give a shit. I'm just like, I I can't. I don't want to. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. She goes, I'm going to get you a pager. I'm going to page you when there's a commercial audition for you to go on. Call me, because this is pre-cell phones. Right. Call me from a payphone. If you can go, go. If you can't, don't. I will not make you go, but if you can go, I think you should go. Because if you get them, you'll make money. And I'm like, I don't know. Let me think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think ab- I don't do anything for like six months or something. Uh-huh. She calls me again and is like, come in and meet with me. I go to her office. She goes, don't be an idiot. Uh, I'm going to send you to someone to get headshots. Just do this. And, she, and, and I still have the pager. She goes, you still have the pager? Yeah, I still have the pager. And then she's like, I'm going to start paging you more often. And she basically forced me to go on commercial acting auditions, which then made me, gave me a, a living. Mm. It, first of all, right off the bat, I could stay in school because Art Center, while uh, the tuition, I had gotten a scholarship, I had loans, but it costs like three thousand or two or three thousand bucks a semester in supplies, which I didn't have. So I was planning on like I'd have to take a semester off every two semesters and work. Do going on commercials, which I was lucky enough to start getting them, allowed me to stay in school, right, and not have to take time off. And it basically, it basically gave me a living, and it basically gave me a fucking career. I never would have done it. I never would have, even though I'd been in two commercials at that point, I never would have thought of doing it for a living. I never would have, like, gone, because especially growing up here in L.A., saying you're an actor is sort of embarrassing. And, it, like, all the people I knew who tried to do it when they were young seemed, like, really cheesy. And they're Did always, you know a lot of people that tried to do it? At CV, up? I knew, like, there were always, like, someone, it was always, like, a girl who went and got, like, glamour shots. Uh-huh. They'd go, there, was all, there was this thing called, like, John Robert Powers. It was a workshop. And it was seemed to be this real like where they'd rook people into taking yeah. like a weekend workshop and you'd get headshots and they'd teach you how to like say your name and go to an audition. But it was like eight hundred dollars. 
Whoa. It was a rip. Wow. And I would always, every once in a while, someone I knew would have gone to it and have like, oh, look at my glamour shots. I'm going to be an actor. And I remember, at the time, me and Steve Howie were best friends. Uh We were hanging out. We already were best friends. All we did was make each other laugh and regurgitate Saturday Night Live sketches. And we were like, these people aren't funny. They don't seem interesting. This is dumb. Yeah. Now, Steve was going to be an actor, but I was like, I'm going to go to art school. This seems really lame. Yeah. So I never would have done it. Literally, Pam made me become an actor uh-huh. while I was in college and was like, you're going to go to this. You have a car. I'm going to make go. Just go. She would literally be like, go to the audition and like yell at me. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, all right, I'll go. And then I would go. And, like, and then, not only that, Pam is the one who negotiated basically all the deals that ostensibly bought me a home. We're not in. I don't own a home if not for her. Mm-hmm. Like for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> end up making any kind of. I don't meet Bobby Lee. I mm-hmm. may not even. Who knows? Like she, she actually, she's a lot of the pieces of the puzzle that I find my life that my life is now as uh-huh. far as getting started. And like, and she did, and and I literally went into her office. And was like, I don't want to. <laughs> And she was like, shut up. Yeah, you're doing it. Like, shut up, stupid. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times in my life she was like, shut up, stupid, just go. Mm-hmm. And like... It, That's great. It's been the... Di- it, it, it literally is the financial difference in my life and just a cur- career path-wise. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, because I was working as a co- commercial actor, it allowed me to, instead of when I graduated art school, go into just doing commercial art, it allowed me... I had enough money to where I could make my own work and then have just gallery shows which I wouldn't have been able to do because I would have had to focus only on getting work yeah. as an illustrator so it allowed me to like make my own shit which in turn has been way better for me just as an artist like it's a, I, much, I've had a way better like artistic life I think and yeah. being able to, being allowed to make my own stuff as opposed to always just having jobs right. which is great and it's a great way to make a living but it's not as satisfying creatively and that's mm. a byproduct of me w- having enough work as an actor to where I can support myself. And that's all Pam. That's up until up until I was like 25, probably 27 years old, it was all commercial stuff. It was really the lion's share of how I made a living. Yeah. And that's all Pam. For real. Cool. Um, and now she's retiring. Which is insane to me. Well, I'm in. She's been my agent 17 years. And she'd probably been one for a good ten or she fifteen years. She was before, a veteran then. She was. She's been at it a yeah. long time. Pam's time. made. You better give her one hell of a retirement present. Oh no! I, mean, I was thinking about it today. It's oh serious. yeah, it's got to be serious. Dude, it's got to be for real. She yeah. built your life for real. It's got to be really serious. You got to give her this house. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, like, but I already have a house. I don't need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've been thinking about the, my number two, and I don't. I think you and I are different in, well, many ways, but in this way, in that I don't have many specific people that have, like, changed my life or anything. I've never really looked to individuals like that, you know, or I've never been, like, I've never been, I knew I wanted to do comedy. No one told me, like, no one showed it to me or, you know, I was just like, I'm fucking doing this. Right. And I've always never... Who did you... What's... Because that's weird to me because I had to really see it live to get what that I wanted to do it. I thought I wanted to do it, but I didn't understand it at all. Who did you see that made you like, oh, that? There was not... That's the thing. Did you, did you see it on TV? Well, here's what happened. 
I remember just being like funny to my friends, right? right? And that got me positive attention, right? And I was like, oh, this is uh, okay. This is like a, a part of my personality that I can put forward, and that's actually useful, right? And you know, not made fun of or not whatever. So. Um, I remember a couple of times just people going, you should be a comedian. Right. And I didn't even know what that, like, I was like, like, yeah, like, like Jim Carrey or someone like yeah. that's funny in movies. I didn't have the concept of like, what you year, could be what a year do you think that was? Probably like... 92? 92, 3. So like, there was like a living color, Saturday Night Live and things like that. So I think that just meant like, you're funny on like a TV show or in movies. That's what I right. thought comedian. I didn't know that there was like sketch comedy and stand-up comedy and right. like improv comedy, you know. But I remember one day watching it on MTV and they had this like summer comedy thing. Yeah. Remember that? They, and yeah. they had stand-ups on there mm-hmm. and I was like... I think Alonzo Bowden did it. Was he even around back then? Yeah. Like the mid-90s? Uh-huh. Early... early Lonzo Bowden, I think that. Uh, yeah. Oh no, you know I, I saw it before that actually. I I've told the story before where I was my friend Troy, who still lives in La Crescenta. I saw him a few months ago. Just like I stopped somewhere for coffee, and I was like, there was a six foot four or five tall redheaded dude, and I was like, that's got to be fucking Troy. He was one. <laughs> he was one of my first friends right. in life. Right. That's we met in like third grade. So whatever. We went to elementary school, junior high. high. We stopped being friends really after elementary school just because that's what happens sometimes. But I remember him being one of my first friends. It was, it was seventh grade. And we went to his house because he, he had cables. It was, oh, let's come watch TV at my house. Right. So we're like, yeah. And I didn't, you know, we didn't have cable or anything. So we go over there. And he was like, dude, I found this show that is like all these comedians. And they just go on stage and they just like tell it's just a bunch of comedian guys that go on stage and tell jokes and it was A&E's evening at the improv oh. and back then we didn't care about the name we were just like what's this yeah and we just saw like a few different comics and i sat there watching it going like you can do this yeah that's a fucking job that's amazing i didn't know what it meant <laughs> how much money you could make or i was just like i want to do that yeah and then i remember telling uh, we're at Dunsmore, the elementary school. I remember my friends. I was doing something stupid and making them laugh. And I remember them going, "You should be a comedian." And I thought to that, I was like, oh, okay. "I was like, I want to like that. I want to be do it like that." I didn't know what they meant by it, right. but I knew what I. I was uh, like, I, "I want that's what I want." So then, and then I saw it on MTV. I remember seeing Jeff Ross mm-hmm. like way back when he, when he was like, you know, probably starting. I can't. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he would have been real new then. A couple people, a couple other people, and I was like dude, you can do it at the beach too. Like It's just like the coolest thing. And I was like, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. Huh. I'm going to be a comedian. That's interesting. But, um, but yeah, so my number two, and I've really thought about this. I'm like, have there been individuals that are like, like mentors or anything like that? But I cannot, I can't really think of like, I'm more influenced by like, if there's like a, a band or a book or a something right. that like, opened my eyes to seeing things in a certain way or made me believe that I can, you know. Yeah. Um, I would have to say one of them, though, because of the age that I started and where I was when I entered my 20s and started becoming like an adult, I would say the comedy store, mm-hmm. the actual 
idea of the place and it, it as like you an were entity. there at such a young age that it is like that sort of presence. I started working there when I was twenty one. Yeah, that's insane. And it You're really like Mike Binder. What's that? You're like Mike Binder. Yeah, he started there when he was really young. He might yeah. have been like eighteen or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say that place really helped. It shaped who I am as a comedian. Right. But at the same time, because I started there so young, it it was also shaping me as an adult because there were a lot of adults. Everyone there was way older than me. Yeah. So there were a lot of adults that were like, I would learn little things from and e- either as people, like what to do, what not to do, how to talk to people, how to talk to women. Like I learned how to talk to girls because how to, how to dress. Thanks, Kevin. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like another little thing, like you and Bobby. Yeah. Uh, Bob, because Bobby always dressed cool. I remember you and him had like a you were you guys were in a heated war for a little while over. I like, think we had a war over wearing cool shit. It might have been over jeans. Jeans. I remember. Uh, not denim. I'm sorry, I keep thinking denim for some reason, but it was like uh, those little puff vest things. <laughs> I remember each of you had one, and then he showed up with one. And I, I remember he bought those like ex- he buys those really expensive Montclair ones. Yeah, yeah. They're like a thousand bucks. This is like before that though. But he had one of it was like G Star. I don't know what it was. Oh yeah, no, both of us were real into G Star. But I remember you got him going like you like this one, and yeah. you were like you're like you know I remember you saying this. You go you know what I give up. You're like you, you win. I'm not. I don't care this much about all this stuff. But, but yeah. So like a bunch of little pieces all came together. You know, right? Uh, like over the years, there were people that were like, you know, dressing like this is 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 pretty cool. And I t- kind of take stock of how people yeah. were doing different things. And I was there so much. I was there like because I, I had a I was working there. I was there literally every night. It really was your college. That's your art center. Yeah, CSU. Because that really is your. <laughs> college experience because it's the same thing i did at art center around that age is i was there all the time right and the only people i i learned some from hanging out with my friends i made friends in art school all i cared about it was like as far as college it was like my the socialization that you would get in college yeah like i got there yeah and that's the because i went to like community college for a couple of years and then i that's when i was like i'm not going to transfer you to a university right i'm I'm gonna i'm i'm doing comedy Art Center so, was like that in that the, the teachers were basically the same age difference that you were experiencing at the store. Right. My teachers were like 30 or 29, and I was like 21. So they were cool. But yeah, I had any anywhere from like 27 or 8 to like mid to late 30s. Yeah. So it ran, yeah, you yeah. know, and there were people that were just crazy and then not, and then like mm-hmm. smart and, and motivated and focused. Like it, it taught me a lot about comedy, and it just taught me a lot about like people and like how to just kind of, because what's great about that place is that you can just be yourself, and it in it in its own way welcomes anything. That's why yeah. so many insane people hang out there. No because one stops you from being great or awful there. Well, no, I'm not even saying as a comedian, as, no, a, as a person, as a person, you can be anything. There are people who are openly racist, yeah. openly homophobic, and they're friends with fucking gay people and black people yeah. and my whatever other minorities. Because it's just one of those places where people are so themselves to such a fault that you can't even be mad at them in a weird way. Because yeah. you're just like, you just look at everyone going like, man, people can be so weird. Yeah. You don't even take it personally. Yeah. But there's so many different types, you know, and you can all just kind of, you could just be yourself. I was able to just kind of like come into my own, you know, 
and people always like they always like relate a certain like darkness and negativity to that place but in a lot of ways i learned how to how to not be that way because i being there taught me the pitfalls to like yeah. if, if you're like this it's a long hard road to nowhere yeah yeah, you yeah. know so and i'm luckily i learned that and i learned it like kind of younger you know because you see a lot of people where you're like there were people that got consumed by bitterness and drugs and alcohol and anger and, yeah. and all these different things and uh you know they went nowhere but um but yeah i think i think spending like a good part of my 20s there um with no one to tell me like you know do comedy like this or be act like this yeah hey you shouldn't think that way you should people would just kind of watch you and just and laugh if you're making mistakes if you were like you know hitting on girls wrong or mm-hmm. like you know I, I, my first major breakup the first girl I, that broke my heart i i went there afterwards yeah because i didn't know where else to go that's where we all go when we get our heart broken yeah i didn't know where else to go and i sat there Literally. i was just i was bummed and i was just like I'm like, I'm just going to fucking get drunk. Yeah. I remember saying, I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I guess I've I'll do got, that. After every breakup I've ever had, I go right to the comedy store. Really? Yeah. I've only done that with a couple. Oh, no, it's the best. Yeah. It's the best antidote for anything like that. But I remember just sitting there and like a bunch of different comics, you know, came First up. The place and, I went when my dad died and I got back here from looking for him was the comedy store. Yeah. It's just a like... Because of the fact that everyone there, that you're allowed to be whatever you're being and no one tells yeah. you not to, it's just like, it's almost, whereas a lot of people are like, that place is awful. It's safe to me. No, it's t- I, I mean, it, I it totally is. safe there. But I remember being there and like, I was just, because you, what, what, another cool thing about that place is that you can be there and just be by yourself. Yeah. I And be comfortable. Like, I can sit out front, the front patio, where there could be, Eight people or 38 people, and I can just sit out there alone and just kind of stare out into the street or just kind of watch people, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I've sometimes gone there because I'm like, I don't want to be at home. I don't want to be like alone. I, I want to just kind of be out, but I don't really want to hang out with friends and, or whatever, so I can yeah. just go there and just kind of – when I want to talk to people, I know six of my friends are around the corner. Yeah. Go have a conversation. If I want to be alone, I can be alone, but after like that first heartbreak – I went there and I was just so bummed and like comics would walk by and like, what's wrong, dude? And I'm like, this fucking girl broke up with me. I told her I loved her. And, the, and then everyone had their little pieces of advice and like... That's a classic David Taylor moment where you're like, hey, how's it going? He's like, you got broken up with. <laughs> he figures it out before you say it. Right, right. <laughs> um, I don't think that happened. But I probably told him. I, I mean, I told a few people like the day. I was just like, dude... Um, but yeah, just different comments would come up and be like, what's wrong? And then they'd give you like advice and stuff. And I don't know. It was just like a, when they call it like a, a clubhouse or like a family, it really, yeah. really was for me in a lot of ways, you know? It's not the most functional one, but it's fucking... Well, I mean, but whose family is? Whose yeah. actual family is? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say that's one. Okay. In no particular order, but that's that's one of them. All right. So now I'm like 20. I say I'm like 23. At this point, I've done 10 commercials in a in two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. My my friend Max Collins' band Eve Six is shooting a video. It's for a movie called Teaching Mrs. Tingle. <laughs> yeah. And Katie Holmes is in it, so I'm gonna go. Oh yeah. I'm like fuck this. I'm going to this set. I'm gonna look at Katie Holmes. She is so hot. 
I'm making jokes to my friends like, I'm going to get Katie Holmes to make out with me. I show up, she's six foot one, and I'm terrified of her because she's the most attractive woman I've ever seen. Yeah. And so, but I'm hanging out on the set. That's and her least me. attractive quality, by the way, is how tall she is. She's, uh, she's pretty hot, dude. So uh, I'm there on the set, and my friends are there, and I'm acting like an idiot. I'm making Max laugh, and my friend Justin Horn's there making him laugh. Me and him are just bouncing off the walls. Bored because it's a set. There's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, Max's manager, Stu Sobel, is like, what, who, what, are you, what are you doing? What do you do? What do you do? I go, I go to art school. He's like, what? what? Max said you've done a commercial. I was like, yeah. He's like, what have you? Do- How many? I go, I've done ten. He goes, and how long? I go, about a year and a half, two years. He goes, I want come, come meet with me, come meet with me on Monday. I go, why? Just because, just come to my, just shut up and come to my office on Monday. So I go, I go, all right, all right, all right. I get his card. I go to his office in right off Olympic and Bundy. In a building there. I mean, what kind of questions were you asking leading up to this? Like, what does this mean? I knew he was a manager. Yeah. I knew he was a manager, and I knew I was being funny, and I knew commercials were on television, so I thought it was something business-related. Right. So up until that point, all, all he knew about me was I did Eve, two of Eve Six's least successful T-shirts ever. <laughs> <laughs> they were huge failures. Yeah. So Stu had a weird attitude towards me already. So right. I go, I meet with him. He goes, he goes what do you, you want to do? He's like, you're doing these commercials. Do you want to be an actor? I go, I don't know. Like, class, this is a classic Kevin Christie answer. I don't know, dude. What? And he's like, let me, he goes, let me, listen to me. I'm going to send you, he goes, I can get you in a movie. I feel like I, let me get you in a movie. I know I can get you in a movie. Yeah. Let me just, just let me send you some places. Just go. And I'm going to get you in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, fine. This, I was less. I, I pushed less this time because I said yes to Pam and it had worked. Right. So I go, okay. So the next week, he sends me out for a movie called Newport South uh, and a TV show called For Love or Money and one other thing. I book both Newport South and For Love or Money. Newport South is a movie. I get to go to Chicago. That's where I meet James Hughes and that's where I meet John Hughes. Yeah. And that's how I get to start a book company because, with them two. Now, more, that's not the important part. The important part is Stu then becomes my manager. Yeah. And because of Stu then, what I learned from Stu is Stu, what, Stu isn't alive anymore. Yeah. Stu passed away like six months or a year after my dad dies. And from Stu, what? Stu had had cancer. He had lung cancer. And he had beaten it. But then he got pneumonia. And uh-huh. his lungs were so debilitated from the cancer right, and chemo yeah, yeah, yeah. that he wasn't able to survive. So he died essentially of pneumonia that was exasperated by having had lung cancer. Right. He was only 50. Uh, two That's great, it? Yeah. Two oh, great geez. kids. He was a music manager for years. He managed some Mighty Mighty Bostones. He co-managed Tori Amos. He managed Eve Six. Right. He managed Perfect Circle. He managed Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. Stu was, and me. Stu was cool as shit. Right, and he just Stu thought he told me that he thought it was the funniest thing in the world to him to take someone like me and put me on television, who I barely kind of wanted to at the time, but he got he got me he was friends with an agent he got me a theatrical agent that then became my agent. Mm-hmm. He just did a lot of the same thing Pam did where he's like I'm forcing you to do this because I think you can do it and you're you're a fucking annoying idiot and you're not going to do it and again I wouldn't have done it I was doing commercials. I had never even thought to try to do anything on regular TV. I didn't know how it worked. And if yeah. I didn't know how something worked, I kind of just didn't try it. I was like, well, this is fine. I'm going to art school and I'm doing commercials. That's enough. 
And he was like, no, 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 you're going to do this. And But th- what I really learned from Stu is Stu was maybe the best husband I've ever seen. That dude knew how he was more in love with his wife than I've ever seen anyone. He was obsessed with his kids. He was constantly going to Disney. He's the first one who told me to get a Disneyland annual pass. Uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, no, yeah. this is how you do it. You get an annual pass. This is when I first started dating Lori. It's like, you go, you go, you get, you, get, you stay overnight. You stay at the California Adventure. Like, the guy was just, he was such a happy person. Right. And he was great at his job. And he loved his wife more than anything. He just seemed to have his fucking, he had life, like, handled. Yeah. And he was a well-balanced individual. He was just a well-balanced yeah. dude yeah. that everyone liked. And he was, he was just a super solid dude. He wasn't the best manager for me because he was only really good at managing bands. But he was right. my manager for basically 10 years. And I didn't care that it wasn't a good fit because I just liked hanging out with him. I'd go to his office. We'd gossip about whatever. And then I got enough work, so it didn't matter. Mm. But I learned how to, like, that dude, when I think about, like, how, now, granted, I figured all this stuff out way too late to save my own marriage. But he he was, like, a, that was, like, one of the better examples outside of my father that I had as, like, a man. And the thing is, it's very hard, I realize, to learn from your own family sometimes. Because you have so much emotional baggage wrapped up in them. Oh, yeah. That, but, like, Stu, it's like, my, Stu is basically like my dad. But, like, it's hard to see it when it's your own family. Yeah, that's why people have mentors. Because yeah. it's, you know. They basically tell you the same shit your dad tells you, but you don't roll your eyes. But, like, that dude, I just learned. They're, like, special. They're, like, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now. But when, you, when you're, like, uh, when you have a major yeah in college and then you have like a you know a, like a mentor no 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 you have like um an emphasis oh yeah an emphasis kinda. yeah so like a mentor is kind of like an emphasis on life yeah. whereas like your parents kind of teach you a little bit about everything how to handle yourself how to yeah. be towards people yeah. mentors are usually like the emphasis on like here's how you should be about you know for in this example acting or your yeah. art teachers about art and you know Stu basically told me, and this is what several people have done in my life, where they're like, you could be more than you think you could. Because yeah. I've always like, I would, I'll get to a thing and I'll be like, this is fine. This is enough. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is fine. He's like, no, you could do this. I, I will get you, you. I'm telling you, you, this will work. Just let me, let me help you facilitate it. Right. And he just basically did the same thing Pam did. He just pushed me. He forced me to go to these things. And my attitude always was, well, if I suck at it, I didn't. I'll suck at it. Who cares? But he would just—he just kept making me do it, making me do it. Make, and then when I decided, I was like, I think I want to do stand up. He was like, Come to my office, and he made me do stand up for him in the room. What? Yeah, because he had a guy. He had a guy. They managed Paul Reiser at the time. Uh huh. He had Paul Reiser's like day to day manager come in and sit down. He's like, Do you have any bits? I go, I have two. And he goes, Let me hear him. And I I start telling him no laughs. Of course. And I go, he goes, What do you think? The guy goes, I don't know. I mean, you know, you're not done. He goes, and Stu goes, He'll do it. And the guy goes, Why? He goes, Because I've known this kid a little while. And he and the one thing I know about him is he he's got balls. He doesn't give a shit. It's like he'll just go do stuff, even when he's not sure he wants to. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. And, the, and he was like, all right, so go start, go start, go go find out how to be a comic. Right. And that's when I and that's when after that is when I like called Bobby. I'd already met Bobby Lee, but then I called him. Right. And was like, hey, I think I want to be a comedian. And it was just Stu being like you, because I and I remember. Before Stu was my manager, just him being Eve Six's manager, I was like, that guy's cool. Right. If I, if I, I remember saying to my friend Justin, if I ever had like a manager for like showbiz things, I would want it to be Stu. Mm-hmm. Just because he was like, he was, he was fucking cool. It fucking sucked when that guy died, man. His funeral, I mean, like, the, you go to his funeral in the Queens of the Stone Age are there. That's a cool guy. It's crazy. Like, literally, you look over, you're like, oh, hey, Josh. 
Like for real. I look over. Yeah, Josh yeah. Homme was crying. Right. That's how cool Stu was. The Mighty Mighty Boston's. It was fuck. The guy was the shit. Yeah. And again, he just basically dragged me off a set, a set and was like, "Just d- come to my office." Right. Like yelled at me and dem- and made me do it. Guy fucking changed a lot of shit from my life. Stu Sobel, rest in peace. Um, that's good. Yep. That's three. All right. Um, this third one is kind of like a hard time coming up with like like something or someone, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what I think though, and sometimes it's too it funny if you just said denim, <laughs> denim. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes it takes a little while for you to like notice the impact. Like, oh yeah, you know, someone or something can have on you. But um, there was a girl I dated who uh, we broke up like a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and. Her name is, it's, I'm not going to say okay. her name, but, um, but it was like right before I stopped drinking. Oh, okay. I was dating her mm-hmm. and I was really, really miserable. Okay. Um, and not because of her, like she was great, but I was just miserable, mm-hmm. you know, but she was like really, really like supportive and nice and like a good person, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't really run into too many people like that. You know what I mean? Because we live in a city. She's not from here, too. Um, we live in a city where everyone's just so self-motivated and yeah. like, you know, they're out for their own thing. And um, also you were young. And I think. What do you mean? I was young. You were younger than you are now. I was 20, like still, seven or eight. That's st- that age range to me yeah. is an age range where people aren't super willing to hang in there with someone when they're miserable and going through a tough time because at that age you can date fucking anyone especially if you're an attractive woman I think well, she was even younger than me I think it's even harder I think that's specifically noteworthy that someone to stick by you in that age at that age is hard but she was not 28 no she's younger which is even harder right she was like what 25 24 20 yeah, I'd say 24, 20, 25. I think people are way less likely to hang in there when they're that age. Um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's too much of a generalization. You can't say that because everyone's just different. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying everyone does. I think that you just have way more options for dating when you're younger. Right. So when someone starts maybe having trouble, I think people, it's easier to like jump ship because you're hot and young. I mean, I guess I don't know. She wasn't really like. She wasn't really. She didn't really date a lot. She was also in school, so she was more focused on that anyway. Okay. Um, but she wasn't one of those people that's like, I'm a hot. She was like really. She was pretty. She's cute, all that stuff. But she wasn't like, I'm a hot commodity. I can do whatever, you know. She was. She didn't date a lot, and when she did, it was just like because she really wanted to, that kind of thing. But right. so we dated for a little while, and then I was just becoming increasingly more miserable with my life and like where it was going, which was like nowhere quickly. Mm. Um, I thought, and, uh, she was always there to like shine a light on any sort of negativity or, you know, she, she really made me kind of see the, the, like how good 
for you like going to therapy and like things like that can be you know she right. really ha- was like really good about like putting things that i used to think were like no that's i don't like the way that sounds into like a refreshing perspective and just kind of like let you see the other side right. of something that you normally would be like no um but um but yeah so we were dating and i was becoming more withdrawn and like and then i ended up like breaking up with her and because i was like i don't think this relationship isn't going in, you know isn't going anywhere um i cheated on her dang which was like i've n- never done that before dang um and it was one of the worst feelings mm. i'd ever had and to do it to someone who is like a really great you yeah. know girl and it was all because i was like i don't m- my mind is such mush right now because yeah. i'm just so like i hate my life and i can't you know so i took like you self-sabotage yourself oh absolutely i took like a shitty easy way out where i could be like you know oh i did this and now i have no choice you know yeah so we broke up for a little bit and then i started realizing i'm like i don't think that was a smart idea (laughs) i was like i don't think that was a smart to break up with her I, i think like i did it Maybe more because I was a fucking scumbag asshole and I cheated on her. And uh, and so I was like, I want to give this like another chance. And so, so did she. She's like, I, I, wanna, I still want to be with you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I realized I was like, I have to tell her I cheated on her. Yeah. I could have not. And she would have never known. But I was like, you know what? Like a real, a real man, a real adult, and if I'm telling myself, because uh, I'm not the kind of person where I'm like, I wallow in my own pity. I feel sorry for myself. Yeah. Where I was in, in life at the time, I was like, I can't, I don't know why I'm feeling like this. I just feel so helpless. I was like starting to drink more, which was never really a problem when I was younger. Yeah. I was just like, I think I'm headed down a path that like, if I keep going like this, I don't know, I don't know where this is going to go. I've never really felt like this. Like if I keep doing this, this could be bad. You know, I didn't think I was going to start doing heavy drugs. I've never really been that person, right. you know. But like, I don't like the way this where this is headed, and to not to not give it like a real go with this girl would be like bad, right? You know, I would I would never let myself like because you don't know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah. If you don't try your hardest and you know kind of see it out, so it's like I have I have to get back together with and I have to tell her I cheated on her, which is going to be like one of the most difficult <laughs> things. I can do, you know, but I have to do it. And I told her, I was like, I want to get, I, w- I want to work on this, but I'm like, you, this is something you need to know. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to, I'm going to be sober. I'm like, I, that's something I feel like I need to do. Yeah. And a good amount of it was for her, but it was also for me, but she was kind of like the trigger, you know, yeah, she was, was like the, I was like it. Cause am I going to become the person that does this sort of thing to people? Like yeah. cheats on like, a perfectly good girl that like didn't deserve it in any way. I'm like, I look back at like what I did and I was, it was almost like I was watching another person do it. It was like amazing. It was shocking to me to be like, I would look back at my own actions and be like, that was like another guy inside of me doing that. And it was like, it made me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm like, and to do it to like her, I was like, who who the fuck do I think I am and who am I and am I becoming something else? And I'm like, I don't want that, you know? 
And she was incredibly furious with me. She was very, very mad. And she was just like, this is going to be a long, hard road to forgiveness. And I did, I I mean, I did everything I could. And I was like, I, you know, I was like, I, I quit drinking. I was like, really focused on her and me and being a better person mm-hmm. and just being like just growing like growing up more and being you know not letting myself go down that road of like you know i'm i'm a miserable artist right um so a lot of those revelations i wrote in that that blog that i wrote like a, yeah, like yeah. a month or two ago so if you've read that um so a lot of those realizations come from her and the way i kind of looked at life and looked at her and thought like, I, you know, I'm better than this. I can be better than this. You don't have to think like this and live like this and wallow in your own misery and self-pity and, and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of reminded me like, that's who I am. I'm the person that's like, no, things don't get me down and I push through everything. Things like my, you know, parents taught me, like my, you know, like that stuff. You stay headstrong and you work hard and, you know, um, and all that. So... We got back together and it ended up not working out just because it really was just like a, a love thing, a passion. It wasn't like right. she wasn't someone I was like, I'm going to be with, you know, forever. She was like, and I'm sure still is a great person, a great girl. But I don't know. There's there's more, I think, more to it sometimes relationship was and like you just getting along. I almost think sometimes you need to revisit someone that you feel like there's unfinished business with, even if just to like to just remove the doubt and be like well yeah i mean because sometimes there is it's like the way i was talking about it with someone back back when it happened i was like i i feel like i i need to you know this needs to happen because you could spend your life going what if what if what if but if you go back and you really you know you try and you make it work and you give it your all and then it doesn't work out then at least you know yeah you know because you're like what if i'm just not in love with you anymore you know um and you know i mean then it ended up ending and uh and it was like it was really rough it was really rough um but it took me a little bit to kind of learn but like after when i look back and like the way she looked at life and like the way she kind of handled herself like she was in in so many ways so like she had a lot of things handled about herself. Like she would never put herself in like situations or positions that would like compromise her integrity. And she would never like put herself in positions where she would have to lie about things because Uh. she's like, well, if I feel like I would have to lie to myself or to someone else about this, that's something I shouldn't be doing. Like, yeah, it was very like I had like, and I still do when I look back and I have so much respect for the way she carries herself. You Uh. know, she had like, kind of a rough childhood and but the way she was able to like kind of get through things she's been independent for a very long time since she was she's one of those people that was like independent when i was 16 and you know have been at it ever since um yeah i look at her and 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 kind of think like that's a great way to look at life that's a great way to be she was always very honest yeah um and i've thought too even after like that relationship ended it was one of those like Oh, is that something I tell people that I like? I cheated on on someone because it's like a shameful, shitty thing to do. I know some some guys wear it as like a kind of a badge of like 
pride in a weird way. Like, I've always, bro, I've cheated on every girl I've ever been with, man. I don't know. I'm just a fucking dick. I can't, I love pussy. Yeah. Like that. I think it's gross. I've heard two schools of thought where it's if you tell them you're only doing that to absolve yourself of guilt. And if you want to. There's different schools of thought, and I think there's something to all of them. I think it just depends on how you feel about it. If you, if no, I'm not saying the fact that I told her. I'm saying the fact that I own that as a as a oh, as a mistake, yeah. as a mistake, and yeah. like a flaw. Yeah. But and like and you know and I felt like like I had I had to because you can't you can't like grow up and and learn yeah. and move forward in life if you don't if you're not like out in the open with who you are and the mistakes you make and yeah. the things that you know. A lot of people put on, you know, by a lot, I mean everybody puts on a face when they go out in public. Like you act cooler, you act yeah. smarter, you act prettier, you act all these different things. But there are deep down inside, when you go home behind closed doors, that's who the real you is, you yeah. know? When no one's around, that's when you say the things out loud that you wouldn't say to other people. But like, you know, her and the way she handled her life was a was like kind of a refresher course. It reminded me that like, you know what? There were you know, there are ways to act in life, and there's like, there's ways you should treat yourself. There's ways you should treat other people, and that's yeah. with like a certain amount of respect, and um and like openness and honesty. It's like because otherwise, what are you doing it all for? You know. There's a saying in my program, you're only as sick as your secrets. Right. And yeah, and also, the being honest and not putting yourself in a position where you have to lie, If when you have to be, tell the truth even when it's difficult, in the long run, people are like, you know what, I know I can trust that person. Right, they yeah, had to yeah. tell me something shitty and they just did it. Yeah, I mean, they there's certain positions where the, the, there's like a whole, there's like schools of thought on that where it's like, well, you can't always, always, always be honest because what if it's in like a business setting or what well, if it's in this and that? dick size always. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's certain things that you kind of like, you know, will li- but I'm saying as far Credits, as like in your size. in real relationships with yeah. people, whether they're friendships and or, or like romantic, you know, involvements, that kind of stuff. Um, and like you know, and and who you are, like telling telling yourself the truth and being able to like as much as you can, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of like your brain kind of works to protect yourself sometimes, and you're you're not always honest with yourself outright, but no. to always kind of be looking at yourself and like, why am I doing this? Why am I acting like this? Do I want to be here? Do I? It, should I be doing this thing? Should I be saying this thing? Should I be pursuing this thing? Where do I need to be right now? Right. It's like a, it's it's just I don't know. It constantly like kind of reminds myself of like, um, uh, like what's important. Yeah, you know, um, and it sucks that like you know it didn't it didn't work out with her. But like I don't know the, for the same reasons. Like I think you fall in love with people, you fall out, I, and you don't you never know why. You, sometimes you're just like I love this person. Yeah, but then and then you know like relationships have. Uh, a shelf life. It's such a weird medical really shitty do. way they to put it. Life, but like, in the same reason you date someone for two months and you go like, I don't know, I just stopped being into her. Sometimes you can date someone for two years, three years, five, six. There are marriages that go 20 years and then they go like, yeah, it's just we grew apart or it fizzled I've out. I've noticed though as I get older and as I get less bitter, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, you look, the thing is a lot of those people when you get away, when you get far enough away from the experience, you look back at most of them positively and you're like you know Mm. what it didn't work out 
But that person was there for me at this time. They played an important role. And you always kind of look back. And it's weird. It's tough because you, it's hard to be honest with like the new person you're with yeah. about that stuff. But they have those people, too. They just aren't talking about them either. Yeah. But there are those people. And they matter. They, take up, they took up a, portion, a chunk of your life. And just because you're not with them anymore doesn't mean that importance goes away. Yeah. It, may be, it becomes less over time. But there's kind of something nice, I think, about looking back and go, you know what? During that time, during that well, however many year period, yeah. it was just me and that person. We kind of lived in and well, out it's of each like other's it's pockets. Every part of your life, you know, when you look back at it or you try to look at it when, when you're in it, it's like every experience you have with, you know, what you're doing career wise or with like people, girlfriends, that kind of stuff. It's like it's a moment. Yeah. And you, however long that's going to last, you have to just try and enjoy that moment as much as you can you know yeah. and and be the best version of you and you treat that other person the best that you can and and you hope for the best yeah you know you hope it works out with whatever it is i'm going to be an artist i'm going to be a comedian i'm going to be an actor i'm in love with this girl i'm going to date her i'm going to move to new york i'm going to live there for as long as i can and be happy you know all these yeah. different endeavors and pursuits you get yourself into you look at them as like Life is only this long, and I want to enjoy it the best I can and treat myself and other people the best I can. Um, and, you know, if things don't work out, it's not the end of the world. You know, you you get yourself back up. You try again. You try something new. You try something different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she she was she was someone that, like, and it wasn't even, like, actively. It wasn't, like... Like you're people who are like, hey, you know, you're doing this. It was yeah. she was just herself in such a like pure way, and it took a long time, it's I'm sure, for her to get ex- there. It's that lead by example shit. They don't say it; they're just doing it. And you're like, you this seem you kind of have this wired. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it wasn't even like I guess a lead by example in a way, but it was just like she was just being herself. But some yeah. people like you. You know, sometimes you you need certain things. You feel like you need certain, and, but and you find the people that are those things, and you go like, "Oh, that's possible." Yeah. And then you kind of that's why some, sometimes you take to certain people because there's like a lot of things. There may I, be something missing in you or a lacking. A lot of things I tried in my life, I had to see someone else do it and be like, "Oh, it's possible." Right, right. I know you. You did yeah. it. I'm not that different than you. I can do it. Yeah. Because a lot of it's weird. And she kind of like there were things she dated me. Um, and there were thir- certain things she was attracted to me that, like, she was lacking. It was, like, being, like, just kind of confident, like, in public. She was always right. very shy and wouldn't, like, talk a lot. But, um, but yeah, those were things where she's, like, she kind of admired in me. There were, you know. And that's what it's like on both sides of any relationship. You look at people and, like, you like them for certain reasons. And like, you kind of make each other stronger, you know, yeah. in ways until it doesn't work out. Because life's unfair. sure unfair. and I are still Facebook friends. Who am I? This girl you're talking about. Oh, I don't even think she really used Facebook a lot. I, I, I think I've gotten the occasional like like from her on a thing that was posted. I think I know who you're talking about. I remember her. and I, Blondish hair? Nope. Not wrong person. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, she was, uh, I've, I guess we dated from 20, I was 28 to 29. Nope. That was almost thirty. Oh no! Or no, just when I turned thirty, maybe. Yeah, I don't even. I don't know who this lady is. Um, you'd met her a few okay. times. Yeah. Um, off mic. This is an off mic discussion. What right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I just want to keep her kind of because she when we when we broke up she was like, 
She's like, I don't want to talk to you for probably an incredibly long time. Oh, man. And I just was like, I'm not going to bring her up like on podcasts or on stage or anything yeah. like that. Just out of respect. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was shitty then, you know. Yeah. Um, but she like you know she's a strong independent girl, and I'm sure she's incre- incredibly happy now. <laughs> um, but it was one of those where like I learned a lot. Yeah, you know, that's what people are. People people in your life, whether they're still in it or not. You look back and you go, you know what? I learned a lot of shit from that person. Even if I didn't like it while I was going through it, you look back and you either learn what you don't want or you learn what you want more of. But they matter. They're, they, it's that life is all people. That's what life is. It's just people. Yeah. The, life. Most of life is just people and the people that come in and out of your life. How you deal with them. How how you get happiness from them yourself. But that's what life is. That's what living, being a human is. It's just the experiences we have with other humans, and that's all it is. People matter. Um, this has been a fairly serious episode this of occasionally like a special awesome. episode of Webster, but that's fine. I like these episodes because you're goth. Because I'm goth. <laughs> um, no, it was good. Um, plus, our our listeners get to learn more about us. They're desperate. You know what I mean? Clamoring. Um, get get under the hood of this. Yeah. Vehicle. What's going on with this guy? It's up in your head. Um, we did three. I had more, but. You know, we can do it. We can do another. We can do we can another always, one. Yeah, yeah. We can always do another one. Do another um, one. Unless we stop learning and growing as individuals. I, no. I get that way. I mean, there's a <laughs> decent chance I'm in a state of arrested development. I feel like I'm only right. getting dumber. But um, okay. Cool. Well, if we keep learning and growing, maybe we'll do another one of these, or maybe we'll do it in like uh, just different people in like yeah, in different ways. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but thank you for listening, you guys. Let us know what you think about this one. Uh, we'll see you next time.